0: make sure you check out the new album by Book of Ghosts. It's a really cool fusion of a lot of different heavy genres, creating something really unique, and I highly recommend it. Follow them on Instagram at Book of Ghosts Official to find out more, and check out the album today. Be sure to check out the new Outrage EP by Winnipeg artist Aaron Parsons. It's his first hip-hop EP in eight years, and it covers some socially conscious, politically mature lyrics, and some old-school throwback boom bap sounds. You can find it now on Bandcamp and wherever you get your music. So with this quarantine, social isolation, COVID-19, coronavirus stuff going on, uh, as you probably know, I'm not recording any episodes of the show in person for the foreseeable future. Hopefully it's not a long time, but at this point nobody really knows. So the good thing about this, if there is a good thing about this, uh, in terms of the podcast, is that it means I have the opportunity to reach out to some people that, based on distance, doing an in-person interview isn't even possible. So if you listen to the Yai episode I did a week or two ago, I talked about how one of the people I've wanted to have on the show for a long time is McEnroe, who is a local producer, rapper, now living in BC, but he was instrumental to the um, Winnipeg rap scene of the 90s and 2000s. And you probably know him from Peanuts and Corn Records, from his work as a member of Farm Fresh, from his work as a producer with everyone on that label and beyond. And really, he just had a big impact on the local hip-hop scene and the local music scene in general. So like I said, he's now in BC, which made obviously getting together to do an interview one-on-one a bit of a difficult prospect. But, you know, we're both kind of housebound at this point, as is everyone else, because of this coronavirus scare. And there's a perfect time for us to record the interview. So I was really happy to get this done. I hope you enjoy it. It's with an artist that I've been a fan of for going on a couple decades now. And he's still making interesting work. And yeah, it was uh, nice to sit down with him, uh, even over the internet, and have a conversation because someone whose work I've admired a lot, someone who's meant a lot to the Winnipeg music scene, and it's very cool that we finally made this happen. So enjoy the episode, and uh, stay corona-free, everybody.
1: Get up off your ass and get up on the podcast! Rich police.
2: Welcome
0: and get up on the podcast witch police radio welcome witch police radio i'm uh, on the phone again or, or the uh, internet if you want to call it that and one of the i guess positive things about this whole coronavirus uh, quarantine thing is that it means I, I get the opportunity to talk to more people um, remotely and so the guest on this episode is someone who is a former manitoban and i guess who has done a lot for the music scene in manitoba over the years but you're now you're in bc right that's right so I guess just like to start things off, um, if you want to maybe sort of just give some background as to how you got to where you are now, I know there's like a whole long history there and a lot of (laughs) albums, a lot of groups and everything, but I guess if we can do it like in point form, how would you sort of define what it is that you do and what it is that you have done? Because I have my own idea of it, you know, as someone who's listened to your records, but how do you even sort of go about explaining who you are musically?
3: Um, yeah, sure. So I'm just a a kid from Brandon, Manitoba, who um, started making hip hop back in uh, the early 90s. And uh, thanks to having a couple of good friends who were into it, too, we started a group and started a label called Peanuts and Corn. And, um, you know, that circle of friends expanded over the time between uh, the early 90s and um, mid 2000s to where we had uh, a lot going on, and did some had some fun times, and then uh, moved out to BC in early 2000s, and got um, and sort of took a step back from music as I started a family and that sort of thing. Cool, but um, I've been a guy who loves making music for a long time and like doing it myself and doing as much as I can on my own okay. or with my friends, as opposed to you know being in the system and going into studios and having management and all
4: that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, for sure, and I think that's kind of what what. Uh, peanuts and corn is known for too for being a diy entity that is kind of uh you know outlasted a lot of the the other labels that were kind of active at the time um i know i said in in the recent interview i did with yai and i've said it before too that the first time i kind of got into hip-hop uh i give a bit of credit to farm fresh for that because i previous to seeing farm fresh live i kind of had this idea you know i was into punk rock and stuff and i had this idea that rap was Not that it wasn't good, but that it wasn't... I thought there was no skill to it because I didn't really know what I was talking about. I thought it was just guys talking on a record. And then I saw you guys play at... um, I think it was The Rendezvous and it was a punk show, uh, Rock Against Racism. And there was a whole pile of other bands there. And then I saw you guys play live and that sort of clicked in my head. Like, wait, this is is good. (laughs) This is as good as the punk rock I'm doing. And it's basically the same thing. Just like, I guess, with a bit of a different uh, flavor to it. So I kind of get the impression that when you guys were coming up in Brandon that that punk scene there was kind of part of where you sort of emerged from. Is is that accurate? Yes,
3: for sure. And myself, I was I was similar to you as a a punk rock kid myself, skateboarder. Yeah. So I like skate rock and punk rock and indie rock and alternative rock was my number one. And my best friend was my two best friends were Tyler Sneesby and Pat Skeen. And they were more into hip-hop, and so they got me into hip-hop. Tyler made me listen to De La Soul. Okay. Pat made me listen to all kinds of stuff In when we were in high school together. Junior high and high school. So not only did I listen to punk rock, but I listened to Public Enemy and De La Soul, The Beastie Boys, all kinds of stuff like that. And so when I was in punk rock bands making terrible music, <laughs> they were trying to do hip-hop, and I really got gravitated to how they were doing it. It was way well one they were my closest friends so you know the punk rock guys that i hung out with were just guys i knew whereas my best friends wanted to make hip-hop so that was a big draw
0: yeah
3: um to me to kind of get my head into it a little more and um and it was like you know we were when i did punk rock stuff we would jam and you know work on stuff hip-hop the way we worked was a lot more like you made a beat and you wrote a song whereas you go and jam and it'd be like you wank out some (laughs) bass lines and then they're you know you go home and they're forgotten forever and you start all over again the next time you jam in six weeks or whatever right it was just hard to get momentum so the way we worked with hip-hop was easy to make progress like you make a beat you write a rhyme you record it right there on your mom's tape deck and you got something
0: yeah sure sure
3: so that was really um attractive as well and you know just just how the energy that my best friends had brought me into it in a big way and pulled me into it and you know i brought my aesthetic to it which was um you know my favorite one of my favorite bands was red fisher watching them play i love their music yeah i just thought that they were just really cool and had a high level of energy and skill for what they're doing and i tried to take that and make do it, a rap version of it you know okay um so when we would make beats i'd pull up my old bass and try to play bass lines that were in my head that you know had a different sound and things like that so
0: cool yeah i know you've talked about this kind of early stuff a lot lately too i mean you guys had that podcast kind of on the history of farm fresh and you know you've had various anniversaries come and go and things like that so i don't want to dwell too much on that that kind of you know timeline thing but i've always wondered sort of what i guess what was the context in which you guys were doing hip-hop in the sense of like you know you're in a punk band Back in the, the mid-90s, there's so many other points of reference. You know, in your town, there's probably 10 more punk bands, even in a town like Brandon, and you, you have so many examples to follow. But, I mean, hip-hop in Brandon, or in Manitoba in general, there wasn't really a lot then, and you certainly carved out something unique. Like, What did you base it on? Were you basing it just on the records you were listening to from kind of established acts, or...? Um, yes, the
3: very, very early stuff, based on what we heard on records and then but when i moved to winnipeg and we started doing demos in like 93 or whatever it didn't take long i was in the university of manitoba and the story is i was in winnipeg when pat and tyler were back in brandon so we would you know i would go home by take the bus home every couple of weeks and we'd work on music or whatever whatever it was we kept in touch but um you know when i was in university it didn't take long to meet um, you know i met the guys from mood rough Odario and Spitz, yeah, and I met the guys from Freak Show, um, Sunil and Ismala and um, Garth Gruff. And so once I met them and saw what they were doing, then that became a huge influence as well. And so what we brought to the, you know, we met, we were kind of like doing our own tapes and stuff and working on stuff. But when we met Mood Ruff, they were like, you know, everyone we met in Winnipeg was like, you got to go into a real studio. You got to, uh, you know, you got to get studio time. You got to make a demo. You got to try and get signed. And it's like our our mentality coming from Brandon was like, no, no, you go to Long Key <laughs> and you rent an A-DAD and a mixer and you record it in two days because you know that's super cheap. Like yeah. you can rent a whole package for like 120 bucks and or whatever it was. I have no idea, but you know, rent you know two mics and a and an A-DAD and buy a tape and just and you know do it as fast as you possibly can. So our first tape we did in 94, we, you know, that's what we did. I went to Long walkade I rented an ADAT, taught myself how to use it with a mixer and all that stuff. And we recorded the Space EP in one yeah. weekend and mixed it on Sunday afternoon and returned the stuff Monday morning. And that was our first record. And so then that kind of blew the minds of everyone else in Winnipeg. They were like, oh, okay. And so then everyone was knocking on my door to help them, you know, make that happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. Is it weird to think now, I mean, you know, all these years later that so many of those people that you just mentioned have kind of gone on to bigger and better things? I mean, there's a lot of people from that kind of initial Winnipeg scene that have accomplished stuff. I mean, well beyond sort of just being in bands when they're in their teens and 20s, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um,
3: yeah, it doesn't really surprise me. I mean, you know, the, the energy and just the, you know, it's like this. We were all underdogs in, out of Winnipeg, right? And so when we accomplished anything, whether it was doing a showcase in Toronto or, you know, opening for someone big or just, you know, finding out we had fans all over the world, whatever it was, it was, you know, you just sort of, yeah, you just get used to being able to achieve things. And so then going on to do other things isn't really a surprise once you've seen that things can happen and it's not all. I think it's a lot harder today, I I believe, you know, it was not that not that hard looking back as it is today to get people to pay attention to you you on twitter or whatever right yeah
0: do you think that's just because it's so saturated now and like everyone yeah yeah, it's just so much to choose yeah like the barrier to
3: entry now is like do you have do you have any kind of a computer yeah because that's all you need
0: yeah to like
3: it's 10 times better than what i rented from long ago all those years ago you know so yeah the barrier to entry is just unbelievably low
0: yeah and then, and then the, the the good and the bad thing about that is you get so much more material being made, but uh, the quality is... It's harder to find the good ones kind of in that big mess of stuff. I mean, they're definitely out there, but yeah.
3: Oh, yeah. And like, how do you get someone to pay attention? Like, just, there's, a, you know, like there's only so much time for all this stuff to pay attention to. Yeah. You know, and how people want to spend that time because it's like the whole concept now of, of how you how you spend your time to be entertained is like... Just completely different than it was before. Now it's like you can listen to absolutely anything ever recorded, so what's it going to be? Yeah. You know, and so.
0: How do you decide that? I mean, like, as a a music listener, because I I find it hard. I mean, I I have avoided most of the streaming services and just kind of doing the, um, uh, you know, CDs, records, and tapes still because I I have them and I'm too stubborn to give them up. But even there, there's just, even picking a record for a day to listen to is impossible. And now there's just being bombarded. Like, how do you decide what to listen to? Do you have a kind of a strategy that you still use or Um, honestly, you know, it's so hard to um I've been playing
3: deciding what I want to play for so long sure. that I've actually really got into Sirius XM and letting someone else decide what I hear. Okay. So I go through phases where I was really into you know and, and I'm getting older, so it's like I was really into first wave, which is all like eighties alternative revival stuff and then i get into what's called the groove which is all soul dance funk from anywhere from the late early 70s to the early 90s okay and then and then i'm now i'm kind of listening to serious xmu which is more alt- indie rock from now you know like they're playing the new um caribou like crazy okay
0: yeah
3: that kind of stuff so i just kind of cycle around and and be passive a little more and then podcasts and And then when i hear something i like then i'll listen to the whole album and i still try to i still like every week or so i'll go and see what the new releases are from people i recognize and check it out like i still love new music and i like to check it out but it's it's yeah i have very eclectic taste i like to think so um but it's hard to you know to to try a lot of new stuff there's just it's just limitless it's crazy it's crazy yeah
5: They I'm doing it wrong, they said I need a new view They said you can't get there from here I said tell someone who cares I used to be embarrassed by my nasal delivery. In fact, I almost let the critics get the best of me. But the day I stop writing rhymes, stick to making beats. So the day I sample between the sheets by the Osley brothers and hook it up. with beats the president, it won't happen. Got no time for hesitance, cause I don't have major labels knocking at my door if I'm not having fun. What am I here for? I don't talk shit just to make you believe it. It's called freedom of choice. You can take it or leave it. I'm on a quiet taste worth a second. Listen every night to say I sound white. Guess what I am white. It's just a fact and I won't play apologetic. Cause I think the way that some kids act is just pathetic interrupt a stage show to ask for an open mic it's shameless plus it will never make you famous when I'm not rocking mics or blowing up message boards I'm listening to demos I get sent unless it's yours in which case I refer you to a song about a Walkman I rocked with my man John Smith and yes for the record I entered a battle once I won then retired and now I'm the celebrity judge it may sound like my ego's drive. I'm just trying to let you in on how I'm staying alive My son are not a measure of vanity It's just one of the few ways I got to fight the insanity And we stand the new wave And prove to you That I have nothing to prove to you They said it couldn't be done They said I shouldn't pursue They said I'm doing it wrong They said I need a new view They said you can't get there from here I said tell someone who cares they said I don't have the voice that I should only produce They said to hang up the mic, they said I don't have the juice They said you can't get there from here I said tell someone who cares get there Can't
4: get
2: there
0: Does that sort of current method of listening, does that affect your own creative output just because you're... Yeah, for sure. And then how how does that, what's the difference, I guess? Um, I
3: guess it's just, uh, I mean, my creative output is just all over the map, depending on what my life is at the time. Like there are times where I'll go six to nine months and not do any music. Yeah. Um, and then the other times, like right now I'm gonna do a ton because I'm, I'm gonna maybe not be working for a while.
0: Yeah, 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 for sure
3: this virus. but um, you know I have found that I'm able to do a little more music lately and I've redevoted some resources and time to doing it. So you know I try to take those influences that I'm listening to and and get get a, absorb them you know, and just try to make unique stuff that evolves and isn't isn't all the same.
0: okay. Do you feel that, I mean, I know you've done some different things, you know, over the past little while, too, with with singing and, and different kind of styles with your own music. But do you feel, is there pressure to make a McEnroe record? I mean, just because, like, no. whatever that means. But because there's so many people who have heard, you know, your beats and and your, your vocals over such a long period of time. Like, is there any concern that, or, or do you care what people think about it?
3: Not really. And there's not enough of them to to matter at this point (laughs)
0: yeah like i
3: had a had a sizable audience a long time ago but i've let it go
0: okay and i haven't
3: taken care of that audience so they've moved on you
4: sure so
3: so that's fine i mean that's life and so now i don't really feel like i owe anybody anything it's nice to get i still don't even really know what i'm doing this for like i know the process of making music to me is so much joy yeah but then finishing things is less joyful Releasing things is less joyful. And so, and I don't really know what, like one of my favorite records to do was an EP I did called Hello World, Mm -hmm. where I said, I did these four songs and I said, I'm going to release it by, you have to send me an email and tell me why you want it. (laughs) And I got email after email after email that people taking the time to say, here's what your music means to me. And it's just like, that is really all that I'm looking for at this point putting something on a streaming service you don't have any connection sure i'm not playing live i haven't played live in five years and i don't i may start again but it doesn't look likely i'm just how's my schedule ever going to open up like that
0: sure yeah unless there's um, a coronavirus thing but then no one's going to shows or anything. yeah
3: but then there's no one coming yeah, right? yeah exactly yeah. so so you know I, I i don't know why you know it's certainly not for the streaming royalties or money
0: yeah
3: um like honestly i make more in about the first three hours of my film life yeah, that covers yeah. my year in music, you know? Yeah. So, I, I don't know. I might do more of the kind of, like, just email me if you want it kind of style, because I've basically done a new record. It's called Brandon by Will. So. Okay.
0: Cool, cool. And, and is that... Uh, I guess, like, one of the things that I sort of wondered a, a while ago was, maybe this is two or three years ago, I wasn't even sure if Peanuts and Corn still existed as a label, because I hadn't heard anything for a while. It's like you said, you yeah. know, people move on to other things, and they, they kind of... Uh, your fans forget about you and stuff, but I remember looking up something because I know the website used to be very active and the message board on there and all all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, I went there whenever this was and it was pretty barren and uh, I'm glad to see that it's kind of more active in the sense that there's the band camps up and stuff now and that music is all very accessible. But do you think of it just kind of as a side project that you do when you have time now or is it... Yeah. Yeah, okay. For Make, sure. Makes sense. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, just to like jump way back on the the history here. One of the things that I've always kind of uh, appreciated about music in general that is when it seems very obviously from a place. And I think that what I what I gravitated towards with uh, most of the artists on your label was that they sounded like they were from Manitoba, or they sounded like they were from BC, or you know, depending who it was, and is that just something that came out naturally? Or do you think it was something that sort of became an aesthetic that you guys aspired to do? I think it became an aesthetic in that
3: uh, we were, you know, like when, if you start with the core, which is farm fresh, Yeah. you had three guys that, you know, just somehow, however we were raised or however the scene wasn't Brandon, however we, you know, we just came up with what we thought was acceptable. Okay. Whereas you had to be real. You can't be a phony. You know, and part of it was like listening to the skits on the De La Soul records, clowning, you know, fake rappers, fake gangsters. Yeah, that kind of stuff. That really is what resonated with us. And so right off the bat, we were pretty much like ingrained in our ethic, partly because of the punk rock thing, I think. And just, you know, the shows we played at first were with punk rockers and skateboarders and all that real that real ethic was like, you know, from day one, Yeah, you know, from the skateboard, cause the skateboard thing was a big deal. And it was a, a very unique scene and, and that had crossover with punk rock and, and indie rock and all that stuff. Yeah. And uh, you know, and that scene bled all between Brandon and Winnipeg and Portage and just, you know, you knew almost everybody who was either skateboarder or in a band or whatever. Right. It was all, Probably you were all of those things, you probably skateboarded and were in a band, totally, yeah. and had weird hair, and you know the whole bit, yeah, 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 so that was just so much of who we were, and so, as we evolved and people were added on, like a guy like John Smith, who gives me a demo when I'm working at Sam the record man, you know, it's like, okay, I like it, but you need to be more like you, you know yeah. like don't sound don't try to sound like black thought from the roots, you're not black thought from the roots, right and and he would take that. And if he was going to hang around with us, then that's how he had to be.
0: Okay.
3: And then I think the next, you know, and then Gruff was always really unique, like him getting pulled in. He was pulled in by Pip. And um, Gruff is just, you know, from day one has always, has never been about anything but his own unique style and his
4: yeah. way of
3: seeing the world. So with that as a core, then, you know, as we added Danny and as we met other people like Bird of Prey and stuff, then it's just like you could tell who, Got, who who could fit in and who couldn't? You know, okay. no, and people who couldn't didn't want it. You know, they thought we were goofy, corny. You know, it was almost like there's no, you know, it's like you either are compatible or you're not. Sure. And people who weren't compatible, they didn't want to mess with us anyway, so it was no problem.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> do do you? I guess like the it's 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 not so much the Manitoba accent, which is definitely there. I mean, especially yeah. with a lot of you sound absolutely 100% like you're from here but even the subject matter and stuff too you know I think that hip-hop has a an unfortunate uh, stereotype with a lot of people that it's about three or four subjects and I mean you guys never touched on any of those subjects and it just yeah. sort of stuck to what you were doing and do you think that part of the success of the label as successful as you want to say it was is from that authenticity like people can recognize even if they're not from Manitoba and they'll get the the individual references they can recognize kind of the, the realness of it and the You're not putting on any airs. This is actually what you guys are about. Yeah, I think to some people, to others, I I mean, you know, you could pick your thing. You
3: could, some people love Pip because he was crazy. Yeah. Some people liked the stuff because the beats were dope. Some people, you know, liked all all those elements and, or some people liked it despite the fact that we had weird accents.
0: Yeah, yeah. uh,
3: You know, or talked about Winnipeg or whatever, so... I think it's an element but um it's hard to say how much of a factor it is in any given person
0: you know True yeah yeah
1: At night and I'm using the bright saw, chilled with fright. The car stopped working, my nerves started hurting. I always believe, but this shit's alert. Woke up in a medical room, all alone, with the needle down my dome. I just wanna go home. Then through the door, three figures arrived. Only four feet tall, so I try to get get live. Cause I wanna stay alive.
0: for the label? I mean, obviously, you know, locally you had people who were kind of had been involved from the beginning or seeing various projects, whether it's Farm Fresh or Fermented Reptile or Park Lake, you know, whichever one of those groupings, but I mean, outside of Winnipeg I know you had some success, you know uh, across the country and stuff too sort of what was your audience? Like, how did you find that audience outside of the the hometown?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it was mostly the internet Um, you know, we, as Farm Fresh we didn't tour very much and when we did, we went to, you know, I think we went to Saskatoon. And, um, you know, when we were Farm Fresh, if you put us on a bill with somebody and someone saw us, you know, in the 90s there, they would react. Sure. We were memorable. So we went to Saskatoon once, I think, and nobody was there. And then someone asked us to go to play a festival. We played a festival to a lot of people. And then we were legends. Okay, Like the word about that show, we went back a year or two years later and everyone was like, I saw you and I remember and you took your shirt off and you did this. And it was like, you know, we were just so bizarre. Like, you know, I think we're pretty good as well. Yeah. But also we were just, you know, very different. No one had seen anything like that. And the, the buzz in like Saskatoon and Regina and stuff was there for years afterwards after that. And then we started to make connections and then all of a sudden we had friends in Saskatoon so they would promote our shows and we had a really solid fan base there Yeah, and then just spread out like in 2001 I quit my engineering job and we went on tour our first actual tour as break bread with you know a lot of cities we'd never been to and you know we'd go to some cities and it'd be like there's nobody here nobody's yeah. heard of us and then you go to somewhere like London Ontario place is packed and everyone has heard of you and I guess that was the internet. You know, we had had some pretty good distribution and we were getting some reviews on some certain sites at, at that time of underground hip-hop. And, you know, it was just the word was spreading. So we just sort of turned up and, and found that we had people who wanted to hear us. And then, you know, the synergy with bands, like there was a tool shed out of London and there was all the guys out of Halifax that were all, you know, we all kind of cross-pollinated with people in Vancouver. So we always had...
0: It was a scene. It was a scene. Yeah. Like a weird little underground scene that they, I guess every city has its own weird little underground scene. It's just about making connections.
3: Canada wide. There was a lot of, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff. Like there was a sound and it wasn't just, you know, Halifax sounded different, but to your average, you know, kid from somewhere else, there's not much difference. You know, it sounds like weird, weirdo white kids doing rap. And (laughs) yeah, if if they liked it, then they liked it.
0: Yeah. So, What do you think is kind of the, um, you know, because the label is not as active as it was anymore. And you have like, how many releases do you have on the label? Do you know offhand? 51. Yeah. It's like a pretty, pretty big catalog, right? So what, what what do you think is kind of the legacy of this label? I mean, you know, 20 years from now, what are you going to kind of, what do you take from this whole experience of, you know, playing to empty, empty rooms or, or putting out records that maybe aren't going to get the attention they deserve and things like that. Like what has kind of been the, is there a moral to the story of, of, doing this for as long as you have is there like i, I mean away?
3: the moral of the story
0: is that i'm you know got to make
3: music that i loved with my best friends yeah and go and and you know see the canada and go down to the states and just have a great experience with them and be you know be be that so okay. that's 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 what i take from it you know like everything else i didn't you know i was an engineer and then i was a record label owner and and I probably over the you know eight nine years that I didn't work as an engineer, I probably lost you know almost half a million dollars in wages. But
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh,
3: but you know, it's it, I don't it, it, it all. It was just fun. It was fun, and it was something that I think I gave a lot of time to, and I had to stop as far as it being the only thing I did. Yeah. Um, but I thought I gave it a pretty good go, and you know, and I re- learned a lot about you know. I mean, if I could do it all again. I would maybe do some things differently, but no regrets. It, cool. It was, you know, that's kind of the bottom line.
0: Cool. Well, I had a, uh, a very kind of surreal conversation. Uh, my extended family lives in England, and I have a lot of cousins that I haven't talked to in, you know, decades, if at all, in some cases. And thanks to social media, I can kind of keep in touch with them. And one cousin who was about my age that I hadn't spoken to since I was 12, we connected online, and I asked him what music he was into. And he listed off a ton of penis and corn stuff. And this is a guy oh, really? in Brighton, you know, who really, di- and he didn't realize that all this stuff was from Winnipeg. And I was trying to tell him like, oh yeah, I've met that guy. You know, I was at that show kind of thing. And, and it's so weird that, that huge distance and not knowing, you know, if he, if he knew I was from here, maybe he would have sought out some music from here or something. Right. But it was yeah. just this yeah. random thing. So do you, like, do you still find people who, who know your stuff in kind of unexpected spots? Like does someone in your day job now recognize you from some album you did yep. 20 years ago? yeah yeah
3: i do and or just you know it's like most people haven't heard of me but those who have know a lot it's like yeah it was kind of like our fan base it's like a lot of people didn't know us or didn't care about us but if they did then they were pretty enthusiastic about it and pretty supportive so it's kind of like that you know so yeah i i continue to stumble across people who have heard of me and are like you're mac (laughs) and Rowe," you know they the mac and row and i'm like well there is another Macanro because there's some Spanish alt indie band. Oh, really? They don't capitalize their M either, and it really <laughs> pisses me off. But uh, they really, yeah. Anyway, but I get I get that once in a while. But my circle is pretty, you know, pretty small. And in, in my world, of work like there's, yeah, I mean, relatively small. Like there's two, three hundred people that I interact with. Over the course of a year. Okay. And some of them know about my music, but there's not, there's only a handful that are like, I know you from rap. You know, there's a few. You know, it happens once in a while. But.
0: Yeah. So aside from your stuff, and I guess like Yai's put out a couple of records recently on Peanuts and Corn, and then Ness, the, the new EP that Ness did, which which I, which I love. I'm a big fan of that one. Um, what's kind of happening with the label? Is it mostly just going to be your stuff going forward and then a few friends here and there? or? I guess it's you know
3: if someone wants to work with me, then they then they got to know that um, I got to want to work with them, and it's going to be for the point. The whole reason is not for fame or exposure or money or whatever. It's just like you want to work together and make good music.
0: Yeah.
3: Um, so so Joe and I, um, Bazooka Joe, aka John Smith, have a record that's you know maybe eighty percent done. We've oh, cool. done two two sessions both in winnipeg over the last just over a year so we're just we're talking yesterday about how we're going to finish it um and then i was there last summer for pip's wedding and we talked about doing something and i sent him a bunch of beats over the in the fall but he hasn't done anything with them so okay i'm not sure where he's at right now but I, you know he's one of my best friends and i would still do another record if he wanted to um that's kind of it. Like I get weird emails of someone who wants to get signed to the label and it's like, do you research this at all? Like the label <laughs> barely exists. Yeah. You know, like why, you know? So, um, and my social circle is not really, I'd like to work with someone new, but it's not, you know, a priority. So I'm just, I'm just having fun and doing my thing. Like cool. this is.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Just for- well, I guess you also put out that 7-inch, too, the the Farm Fresh. Um, yeah. So is that kind of like digging back into the, the past, something you want to do more of as well? Um, not
3: necessarily. I mean, basically, that was Honeycutt's idea. Um, he's like, this is what I want to do. And I said, hey, I support it. You yeah. know, he's been going through a tough time lately. And yeah. uh, and I thought it was a, a good thing to do and, and it would be fun. And so I did it. Would I do it again? Maybe. I mean, I, ha- I was shipping seven inches all of january and it's like i don't miss this <laughs> yeah yeah you No, know, i don't miss doing direct mail like i used to do that every day for you know for all the early 2000s A ship 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 yeah you know like not i don't miss it one bit so okay. you know and and uh we'll see if we sell enough seven inches to recoup but you know it's it's tough it i know that you could get if I had the energy and the time, it would be like I could really do a cool thing and, and we could sell all these seven inches. But it's just the amount of time that you have to invest right yeah. now to make it all worth it. And you just gotta, like, you gotta love it. You know, you gotta love that part of it, like the networking and the marketing and yeah. the social networking. Like, that's not what I love about it. So for me to, to put in hours and hours and hours, it's just like, you know
0: yeah for sure and i guess it's it's very different now too with social media and all that stuff you have to be kind of hammering at that 24 7 to to get people to notice it and you know before you guys had those stylus ads which were very memorable but that's a totally different totally different thing now right yeah. i mean now you have to be on facebook and instagram and everything else and, and just kind of constantly going at it
3: yeah i don't know how that even you know like i wrote most of those ads and i don't know how they translate to today yeah how you would what's the equivalent today i have no idea
0: i don't know either yeah it's not
3: like i don't get social media like i do get it i've been on all the platforms and i'm active on those platforms passively yeah but i just you know i don't know like the the way to get followers and keep followers and just grow is just you know again for for what exactly again you know like i've never been able to to say that like you know i just even to to take the seven inch and say I put a little bit of money into Facebook ads and you could track the fact that they made zero sales, you know, like it <laughs> yeah, yeah. no, it made no sense.
4: Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah. So, it's, it's so I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what the, I don't know how to do it right now. And I don't have the time to learn really, yeah. you know,
0: well, how much, uh, how much unreleased stuff is out there because i mean i know you've released a lot of it kind of over the years you know i had those compilations that uh factory seconds and stuff and you know and with some of the um Bandcamp re-releases and everything there's been a few new things but do you still have a big archive of stuff that has not
3: seen? really no? mostly you make a record and you put the record out and there might be a song or two that doesn't make it but there's a reason for it usually yeah um like generally especially with For some reason, when I do a record with Pip, there'll be at least one or two songs that are like, hey, this shouldn't be on a record. No one should hear this, you know. And so those, that's kind of it. And so I have those songs and some of them have been reissued on. He's done a mixtape and stuff, but there isn't a big treasure trove of stuff. You know, there's like stuff that was walked away from. Like I started... Back in the day, we had a seven inch series going and we did have a Pibskid seven inch. Yeah. Then we had a John Smith seven inch. The plan was to do a gruff one. So we started the gruff one, but it didn't get finished. And there was a, we were going to do an EP with uh, Galventing Spoof from Free Show. Yeah. So that got started and demoed, but never finished. But it's just
0: not, it's not something that anyone needs to hear. Sure. Sure. You know, is a lot of that, um, stuff still out there i mean the, the physical copies or did you manage to sell off most of those kind of when... oh man i have a lot of physical
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah. i was actually digging this weekend and and i'm calling down i was calling the guys to be like do you want product yeah because at the rate we're selling product i'll be long dead uh you know and it's just it's time to time to get make some space yeah, like we just, I mean, we just hit the wall with sales. And yeah. so, you know, I've got two or three hundred of this CD, a hundred of that CD, that kind of thing. I don't want to get rid of it completely, but, at the you know, we're selling a handful of CDs a year at this point. Yeah. So, you know, it's, when you're sitting on several thousand, it's not going <laughs> to,
0: you know. And I guess people are moving away from CDs and, and all that stuff anyway, right, with the streaming and all that stuff. So it's probably even harder. Yeah. yeah.
1: The chill of the night In the still of the night It's Will and might. They say it ain't real It ain't right But I'm real and dead wrong Make nights I listen to me and my headphones Game time to air it out Like bled soul. It ain't like I was a patriot Hell no Ask and I'll explain The thing go away
4: Yo, Jesus, Smitty, we should have put you on last. I feel sorry for whoever's got to go next.
1: Just cool it. your face turn and rude. We have imagery to track like I'm a psych And keep it moving Own flow, true, that's a fact To a lot of people out there, on you But I can rap this, take it way too lightly Here's the tip, shit's starting to get weak again Don't let it slip, work without the risk uh took, I swear it was a bestseller How these geeks go by the book It's either going the flow or going by Besides, let's ride, your university kids Be quiet, give us a hand or stand back appreciate when someone's with us to stand Big man, surround myself by people with big plans Standing on still holding king hands About the yay, yangs Every MC for themselves
4: and the Vink tanks When the are done, it balances out Guy's good
1: guy, even better in sick. Who signed the marriage license and joined the family
4: Draw love for the folks, I mean, good company But ain't no other MC like me Yeah! Yo, talk about rising to the occasion Yeah, that was fresh yeah you ain't got
1: shit to say and no one's hearing i'm a canadian great like leslie nielsen smoking my naked gun on the airplane and all these habits thinking the rapper's is a fair game i share pain and some people relate fuck these dumb rappers thinking that they so great make heads to flee and keep it lucrative gonna take a cup cash from me to
4: dude name checks leslie nielsen and master p in the same verse this shit's just getting weird now yo McEnroe, why don't you drop your verse i
5: string together lines over drums that i chop and go for the dough like the bums that i hop rock a thousand shows and make dirty stages sick which is why my resume's about 30 pages thick with degrees and companies credits in production decades of quality benefits and gumption creativity always relevant a punk if he ain't feeling me Once you see me live no more You overlook me Call me 1-800-NUMBER Have your promoter book me They call me CEO But that's a misnomer you Cause I'm the star player Though I'm saying in the owner's booth My words the kind of thing That you rarely doubt Good management wins titles Ask Jerry Krause Would you even sound as good Without me finding effect? When you answer Bear a mind Who's signing the checks Get to remembering Who might hit me. In this tight lip troop, got love for the crew known as the Double B party Ain't no other MC
4: like me. Yeah, just in case you forgot, right, Mack and Yo, who's last up the back? G Ruff, Ruff Diesel, kill it.
1: Run back, tell the crumbs that I did that and done that. I sit among rap stars, trash bin talking, hats off. Ask God for a fat God, launched at a fat cough, I act hot to keep her freezing, word to permafrost. When I'm sauced, I get lost in the Everglades. Eating marmalade, on peat moss, cracked wheat, sprouted beef bread, eat dead, start the living. Give the stars a break, fruition, I'm armed and itching to release my peace, my speak, mine freely time. Stealing your breath, my sweet rhyme, seeking more sweat than the average. Grizzly, nothing missing, it's all here. Reach Punk fear ain't a factor, all I hear is laughter Making patterns in the tracks like a tractor Go ask your dad, who's bad like Bruce Moose, antler in your face If you can't take the truth, juice monkeys take
4: aim But they're not trained to choo-choo Ain't no other MC like me I don't even know what to say about that one I don't, I don't even understand half of that Druff Where are you coming from? Dude shows up doesn't have a shirt on. Doesn't even have a shirt with him. Kicks his rhyme. No chorus. Hey, Jets. He's gone. Dude's gone. Gruff. Gruff, come back. You win, Gruff. That's the craziest. You're the craziest. Jesus Christ. Dude's a maniac. What the what what MC like me.
1: For other
5: MC like. Ain't no other MC like this Ain't no other MC
0: you have like some some favorite records that you've worked on like i mean i'm assuming you you'd probably want your own records to be your favorites right but like of that 51 records that you've you've put out like i mean what, what do you think of the high points if, if you were explaining to the label to someone who had never heard any of you before sort of what would yeah. your maybe i don't know top three be from that collection um top three i mean i, I don't know if i
3: can do that it's too much uh too much invested in all these different things, but I guess, you know, one year that was really remarkable was 2001 where my most prolific year, I think where we did a pipskid record, a a gruff record, a John Smith record, a record called factory seconds, Mm -hmm. which is a compilation that's four full albums, all like with pretty good production all in one year where I made all the stuff. Yeah. So that was good. And then, I mean, you know what, like, yeah, it's hard to nail it down. Like, And then the, the early tapes, that was a special... I just think of more of the time and how how making them, you know?
0: Okay.
3: Um, like the the original tapes where it's like we did the the Farm Fresh, then the Mood Rough, then the Different Shades. It was a really fun time. And then, you know, that, those years of like 2001 where we were really just... Hey, people want to hear our records. Let's make them, you know, like there's a demand. We were just super energetic. So Pipskid's first solo record and John Smith's first solo record and my first solo EP or my second solo EP, all that, all within like 18 months was really fun. But, but as far as like production and work, you know, I think that you know some of my favorite records are in the later phases where we're just, obviously we're not, I think that there's some stuff there that it's like we've really taken things to a level that's unappreciated, you know? Sure. We were relatively appreciated for that early stuff, but, you know, I had a lot to learn about production and I, you know, I mean, it was all fine for the time, but it's like some of the stuff I've been able to do since, you know, I'm really proud of doing things that are interesting and more original, you know, that kind of thing. So,
0: yeah. Well, yeah, I think I think you're right about some of that later stuff too, because I mean, you know, I was looking through before before we did this, kind of my collection of your stuff, and I have quite a bit of it, but it sort of stops at a, at a point. And I mean, there's stuff that I've heard online, but never actually ended up getting physical copies of, and I don't think it was because you know I didn't like it anymore. It just I'd moved on to other things, and I never really kind of gave it the same chance I would have given the the, yeah. the older stuff, right? So uh, I'm sure there's some 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 gems on there that uh, that I'm missing. Well, too, like the you
3: know? last the last two John Smith albums, which are were both kind of post like after i'd gone moved into film so they're just hobby releases but like one's called growing pains yeah and one's called old man winter and i mean the production with and how he sounds both act, records are just like to me should are just like one of the big regrets is like those records should be much more appreciated you know i really like danny's records too and yeah and what you know how they worked out and i don't know i mean it's like but but yeah, there's some stuff that I just I don't, I wish people had given more of a, a chance.
0: Yeah, what is the kind of the uh, I, I guess like I mean I'm assuming most people listening to this will be listening because they're aware of your stuff or they you know they listened back in the day or they're still listening now or whatever. But I guess what's the best way to hear it now? Is it is it Bandcamp or, or are there other ways? Well, everything's on everything's on all the streaming services okay. as well.
3: So Apple Music, Spotify, tidal, they all have everything we've ever done. Okay.
0: So. So it's yeah. out there. It's out there if someone wants to... It's out there, yeah. Like, Bandcamp's
3: great if you want to support support. But for me, it's like, you know, just have whatever's easy. Like, I use Apple Music pretty religiously. And uh, so I can't say don't <laughs> use yeah, yeah, it, yeah. right? You know, you know, I, I went... You know, like, unlike you, I went digital as soon as I could. You know, I was into MP3s and ripping all my collection and going, you know, just having... Yeah, like all of that kind of stuff. So I try to. I still have every CD I've ever bought, but yeah. it's all archived, and I need to get rid of it. But
0: <laughs> well, I'm sure if you put it up for sale at some point, you have enough uh, enough old listeners who would probably want to go check it out and dig through what you.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. What you had
0: yeah, cool. Well, uh, is the website still active too, or is that just
3: just the? Uh, it basically just points com Just goes to to sends sends you to Bandcamp, like. It's its own page, but it doesn't really, there's not much to see.
0: Okay. Okay. And if someone is a- actively trying to find some of those physical copies that you have hundreds of, like, should they just message you or what's the best way? Yeah, they
3: should message me.
0: Okay. Okay. Our <laughs>
3: Facebook page, Peanuts and Corn Records, or I, I, I think because I'm going to be off for a bit that I actually will put up like an inventory and say, you know, this could be your last chance at some of the, some of this stuff, if you want to
0: okay.
3: stock up and, you know, I got time to ship at the moment. So
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool.
3: Um, Yeah, we can do that.
0: I might be checking that list out for sure. Um, So what's the next few things that are coming out on the label? I mean, I know you've mentioned a few things that are kind of in the works, but is there something sort of scheduled at this point, or is it all just going to come as it comes?
3: Well, the record I'm working on the most right now is my solo album called Brandon. Okay. And it's basically just a time capsule between 1987 when I moved back to Brandon from Winnipeg and 1993 when I moved back to Winnipeg from Brandon. Okay. So it's just a bunch of short songs all about uh, friends, music, girls, um, you know, nostalgia rap, big time. Cool. And i um, pretty happy with it. Um, it's a bunch of short songs, and I wrote it all about a year ago, and it turned out pretty good. And I'm pretty happy with the production, too. So it's really close. I, I hope to start mixing it this week. Okay. And then I'm gonna figure out how I'm gonna roll it out. Like it's a lot to take in and so I'm a little worried about a it's twenty three songs. None of them is more none of them is more than three minutes and a lot of them are a minute and a half, so it's just little Yeah. Short attention span verse songs, you know. But um I don't know whether I should do it in phases or something just to give people a chance to absorb it. I'm not sure. Yeah. But um but uh it's been yeah, I've been working on it for a while, like I do all my records And then I mentioned the John Smith, or Mm. sorry, the Bazooka Joe, which is um, really good and uh, is about 80% done, maybe 75% done. Cool. Um, And then that's sort of what's in the can at the moment, like imminent. And, um, you know, at my pace, normally it'd be like if they both came out this year, that'd be amazing. But I think it might happen because of this delay in life. Yeah, yeah. so i think it could happen and uh and then i have a lot of other stuff that i'm working on that i'm just not sure what it's going to evolve into but um i have a bunch of ideas and i want to do another singing thing or i want to work with a singer or something i have to it's just i listen to too much non-rap to not want to make it you know yeah so um so i'm you know i have some interesting sounding beats that are ready to go for something and you know Something much more different okay. and exciting. My set, my setup, my studio is just so good. <laughs> like creatively, the way it's all set up and what I can do is just you know I can really have fun and do fun things.
0: Cool. Do you think you'll ever stop? Like, is this kind of a obsession? I think at this point,
3: point I'm not going to stop. You know, I don't know what. Uh... Yeah, I'm not going to stop. It's, <laughs> just, this is what I do.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Regardless of what your your day job is, this is this is the thing that happens right now.
3: Yeah. This is why I mean no this is why I told myself I worked in such a crazy business in film is because I wanna keep the dream of music alive, You know, I don't know what the dream is. I just know I like <laughs> I wanna
4: make
0: For sure, you yeah. Know? Yeah. No, that's awesome. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're still doing it. I mean, it's, it's nice to see that uh, even though it's not as frequent, I guess, as it was in the early 2000s, but it's always nice to see a new release from Peanuts and Corn because, uh, you know, I think that I've talked to a few people about this lately and it seems that labels aren't maybe as important as they used to be. But yeah. I definitely remember a time where I would seek out bands or artists or rappers or singers or whatever just because the label had a specific logo. And it, oh yeah, And that was kind of like a sign of I don't know who this is, but it's going to be good because I like X, Y, and Z on that label. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think that every time I see something pop up about a new Peanuts and Corn record, I'm always interested, even if it's, you know, years after, I guess, like the heyday or whatever you want to call it. So, yeah, it's very cool. Yeah. You're still actively doing that. Thank you. Yeah, and I'm really happy to have a chance to talk to you because I, I think I've covered most of the people that put out records on your label at one point or another i mean i had Yai yeah. a couple of weeks ago but just over the years of yeah i listened this, to that it
3: sounded great
0: yeah that was a fun one yeah i it was a guy i would wanted to talk to for a long time i met him a few times here and there in passing and stuff but yeah it was a it was a nice sit down and i'm glad i can do this with you as well because uh you know like i said i've been listening to your music for a long time and it's uh nice to kind of do one of these yeah appreciate it
4: paper champion, paper, 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 paper. It's the paper champion, vapor stamping. It. It's paper play
5: now, amateur fashion, fill out a form and deposit your cash in renaissance over no more craftsmen self-releasing self-policing self-reviewing self-fulfilling it's prophecy week in the underground where the bleak and the trouble run around and eventually go under 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 six feet so go back to mainstream intrigue go back to throwbacks and big leagues first week numbers first team stats medium buffers free media passes weakening fan base creek my greediest campaign the dirtiest handshakes and industry Street clan bakes, a damn shame. Welcome to the planet of the fakes. And I'm never hating, just science, shining, innovating, never autograph signing, or auto-tune rhyming. If I'm out of tune, I'm out of tune. Remember what it means to be human. The true beauty and the unexpected. New, truly, as the unselected. I'm the last man standing, undrafted, self-made, self-planned, self-crowned as the paper champion. And I gotta give a
4: shout-out. Yes. 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 Big guy, yes. big guy, yes. on guy, big guy, I might be here forever. I can